Hello and welcome to LCC Media's podcast titled Conversations with T. In this episode, Greg Frankston joins us to talk about his newest book, Africanology. Enjoy the conversation. Good afternoon. You're welcome to In-Depth Conversations with myself, T. Adeyemo. Um, today we have an extraordinary guest, Greg Frankston. He's an author, a spoken word artist, and the editor of the book we will be dissecting pretty much this afternoon. The title of the book is African Anthology, and he joins us to talk about his newest uh, his newest book. Hi, Greg. Thank you for making the time. Appreciate it. It's great to be here, T. You're very busy on social media, and um, Afri, uh, next month, your book is released, African Anthology is released February 1. I'm just wondering what hasn't already been said that you're saying in your book. Ah, well, that's an interesting question and a, a deep philosophical one on some levels. But uh, basically, African anthology is about the process of Black folks telling their own stories in their own voices to talk about their journeys and their experiences in Black skin living in this country and some of the peculiar aspects that go along with that journey when you are also a creative and a writer and a poet. And so African Anthology is about the perspectives of Black Canadian poets from coast to coast, representing not just geographic, but linguistic, experiential, gender, gender identity, um, uh, uh, heritage, variety, um, uh, diversity. And those folks that are in the book are sharing both personal essay as well as poetry that talk about their experiences and their journeys. And we've done this book in order to tell those stories as they are being lived today, to capture some of the history that the folks who are in the book have already lived through, and to make sure that it is available for future generations as well as our contemporaries so that we can continue to learn from each other, to teach one another, and to improve Canadian society and the experience of Blackness overall in Canada. Thank you, Greg. Um, you joined this as the editor. You curated and you found all these people um, and you brought them together for this African Anthology um, uh, book, Perspectives of Black Canadian Poets. And my question to you is, um, why was it important to you um, to gather the set of people you gathered? Why was it important that we hear from Wade Compton, from Cicely Bell Blaine? How did you choose all these people? Um, why were their voices important in the, context, in the context of the book you're trying to create? The book you've created. <laughs> Indeed. The, uh, the poets that we have in Canada have a wide variety of experiences and, uh, you know, and backgrounds and, uh, and lived, and lived uh, uh, experiences as well. So, uh, you know, we wanted to, to be able to attract folks like Wade Compton, who has been doing incredible work in the Vancouver area over the years has written a, a tremendous amount of work and has been highly accomplished in the, in the field of poetry and in creative writing more generally. Because of course, he's also published uh, beyond just poetry into the, into the fiction and nonfiction realms as well and teaches at Douglas College. Uh, 
And then we wanted to have people like Cicely Bell Blaine, who's a little bit newer into their careers in the, uh, in the field, but also have tremendous background in terms of activism, as well as, uh, as engagement in, in training and working with folks uh, to, to improve equity, diversity, and inclusion in the workplace, which is a big part of Sicily's background. And so those were some of the people that we were able to attract who are living out West. And then they're going to be partnered up with folks like Afua Cooper, the prominent and extremely well-known uh, writer and academic who's currently in Halifax at Dalhousie University, as well as with somebody like a Tondaway McCarthy, who's just beginning his poetic journey, has, you know, been working actively with Black Lives Matter in Fredericton and forming the New Brunswick Black Artists Alliance. And so you have this wonderful mix of people from coast to coast who are engaged in, you know, in the experience and in the promotion of and in the nurturing and support uh, and, the, and the, the fierceness of being a Black person in Canada. And, uh, and, and we really wanted to make sure that those kinds of voices and perspectives were captured in the anthology itself. When you talk about reimagining the future of Blackness in Canada, Greg, what do you mean? I mean that up until now, much of the history of Blackness in terms of its mainstream encapsulation has been done by folks who aren't necessarily living our experiences, who are not necessarily of our, of our community and of our culture. And we've seen in the most recent past that folks have been more actively pushing back against that, not just to capture our own stories and our own voices, but to create avenues and vehicles that present those stories within the community and beyond the community to the to the broader Canadian public. So you've seen things like the mini series that was made out of the out of the book of Negroes by Lawrence Hill. You, uh, you, you know, you, you see stuff like that. You see folks like, uh, you know, Shante Grant out east and um, Amanda Paris in Toronto, who have been able to get into the into the mainstream media, and we're starting to see, you know, through the CBC's Being Black in Canada series, that we are now able to have our stories represented and to have our folks put out there. And so when I when I talk about reimagining blackness in Canada, I reimagine a blackness that is fully defined by black people. I reimagine a blackness that is articulated by Black people. And I imagine a Blackness that is so able to put itself out there to be seen and understood and grasped by others that they will be able then to take the steps necessary to learn even more about Blackness so that we no longer have to be subjected to situations where we, where we need to teach other people about us. Other people can learn about us and come to us in that spirit of understanding, in that spirit of acceptance, and in that spirit, that, that spirit of true partnership and camaraderie. You know, we're done you know, sitting down and taking scraps from other people's tables. Now it's time for us to assert ourselves and to put ourselves forward in our own ways, in our own voice, and, you know, on our own terms. And that's what African anthology is about. Amen. You speak very passionately and eloquently about the subject. And sometimes I feel, Greg, that maybe I'm not Black enough. Um, let me explain. 
I don't have your experience and this will take me to my next question. I've only maybe spent three years in Canada, uh, much of all of that in Edmonton. So when you talk about a blackness that is articulated by black people, I want you to um, go a bit deeper for me and describe what that blackness really means. Because in many ways, people like me, people who come here in their 40s are divorced. We, I'm not, police is never gonna stop me. I'm not gonna be in poverty. Like some basic things I've figured out in my, in my life, right? But so what, what is it like being a full-blown Black Canadian? You're more authentic than I will ever be, Greg. So I want you to take us into that world and show us uh, what I cannot show people. Um, uh, yeah, this Blackness. You know, I would push back a little bit on that. Just saying that some of those experiences that I grew up with, because, you know, I'm from, I'm from Toronto. I grew up in Scarborough. Uh, you know, I, I lived part of my life in Kingston, Ontario, where Queen's University is. I lived part of my time in Montreal. I spent a decade in Ottawa. So I've lived around central Canada. I've not lived in the West. Uh, but All those I, exotic places, Greg, you know, <laughs> you know, you're really black. You've been to Ottawa. Ooh, you know. <laughs> but, but what I will tell you is that although you may not, necessarily identify personally with some of those kinds of experiences that I might have had coming up and and being born in this country and raised yeah, here yeah um you are still subject to the same cut eye that you're going to get at the supermarket you're still yeah. subject to the same kind of misinterpretation yeah. of you know all of that kind of stuff is still yeah. a, is still when they look at you they don't know whether okay. you've been here from time or if you just got here a time ago you know what I mean they have no idea and, yeah. and, and you yeah. know and and so if i speak we, good english or if my my family in africa live live in a in a tree um yeah i get what you're right? saying because uh, until you until you open your mouth and, me that. yeah yeah no problem because until you open your mouth you're just black you know <laughs> what i mean you're just black they don't know if you're african they don't know where you come from they don't know if you're visiting or if you live in edmonton they don't know none of that if they see uh -huh. you on the street I just think you're black. And so that ends up creating a kind of a unifying experience for black folks in this country that isn't the same as would be experienced by someone who's a member of the, uh, of the mainstream culture necessarily. And so these are the kinds of stories that we talk about in the book. We talk about those experiences, whether it is we're trying to get access to services. You know, there's an essay that talks about you know, um, what happens when you run a successful event targeting the black community and you see grant support and the grant tellers tell you, well, why don't you think up something new? Because clearly this thing has run its course, but it's people outside the community telling the community what is no longer in fashion. You know, um, you know, there are there are stories um, in, in there that talk about, you know, folks who have gone through the experience of, of seeing their car in the snow and coming out and having the n-word written in you know into the snow on the car and you know how do you react to that there are these kinds of personal anecdotes that come through either in poetry or in the prose of the essays that cause us to have to say okay so what kind of canada do we want to have 
how do we as Black people want to be able to navigate that? And what can we do to push back against the nonsense so that we don't have to continue to live with it? And so that life becomes more straightforward for us and our kids and our grandkids have a better chance at success and about, and about living in a, in a world that doesn't treat them differently simply when they look at them and they see the color of their skin. So those are the kinds of things that I'm tackling. Those are the types of things that the contributors have, have tackled. And that's as true in Toronto as it is in Halifax, as it is in Fredericton, as it is in Ottawa, as it is in Calgary, as it is in Vancouver, or as it is where you are in Edmonton, where we actually have a strong tradition of Black folks on this, you know, who are out there poetically, you know, the folks in, you know, the breath, the breath and poetry collective, uh, you know, I want to big big up, you know, if Ify yeah. and 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 um, Titi Lopez Sunuga and and of course uh, Ahmed Nomadic, and want to big yeah. up people like that who've been doing the work in Edmonton from a poetic perspective and on the ground. I mean, you know, Nomadic just running in the recent election as well. You know, big up to him for doing that and stepping forward. We need to keep showing leadership in the various ways that we can in our communities. That's one getting into the political process. Another one is by recording and archiving our stories for posterity. All right. Um, you want to talk about that? Re recording our experiences for posterity? Did you want to go into that, Greg? Sure. Yeah, go you can definitely it. do that. Go for it. Because that's a big part of it, too. This book is going to talk about how the, the contributors were living their lives in the third decade of the 21st century. And whether people come back to this book 20, 30, 50, 100 years from now, they're going to be able to get our true sense of what the cultural, uh, uh, what the sociocultural environment was like for folks who were living at that particular time. What were some of the issues that they were really confronting? What were some of the difficulties that they'd had growing up? And how was it impacting them in, tw in the 2020s? So what, what, and you know, and what are they, what are they hoping for? What are they, what are they imagining as, as how we can move forward from there? And we need to be able to capture those kinds of stories so that we can share them effectively, you know, on bookshelves, in, in archival uh, opportunities, by taping those things like we're doing right now, uh, you know, whether that's, you know, video or audio or some other way of capturing that. So that, so that those folks can see us now and in the future and be able to draw upon those experiences, draw upon that wealth. Because we as a community, our stories are part of our wealth and we need to get better at passing on generational wealth to our children and to our children's children. And this is one way that we capture and transfer the wealth that our community has. Thank you, Greg. I would like for you to talk to me about the sensory experiences I will go through when, or anybody will go through when they read your book, um, Africanthology. Um, I, you, you talked about the fierceness of being Black and just that you made like, like a lion, the fierceness. Oh, wow. So what sort of um, emotions should, would your book evoke? And when, when we read it, would we want to go marching or we would just instill within us a sense of pride that, okay, being Black is a good thing? I think there's a little bit of, of a, there's a little bit of a lot that's going on in the book. I think 
that any black person who reads this book will certainly feel proud of the stories and of and of the contributions that are in it that we have this kind of talent within our community people will be proud of that i think it will also cause them to think because there are certain issues that are brought up that may challenge some people's assumptions you know there are some questions that are raised around, you know, around the approach and the impact of Black Lives Matter, for instance. Um, whereas there are other things that are speaking from the point of view that Black Lives Matter has brought to, to the forefront in terms of police abolition. There are, you know, questions, as I said, that are being raised around access to, to funding support for our cultural activities. Uh, there are questions that are raised in the, you know, for example, in the essay that I wrote, which is around how do we interact with folks from the lesbian, gay, bisexual, queer community? Um, so, 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 and you know, and what what are those traditional interactions within the Black community, and how do we deal with them as a community? Um, there are, you know, some challenges that are raised around the cultural impact of being a Black person living in Quebec, and you know, an ex exploration of the Black experience in Quebec. And what we and what we can do uh, in order to to capture the truth of blackness in Quebec and transfer that forward. So those are just a, that's just a small sampling. And then there's going to be some things that are going to get you agitated. Some of the poetry and essays make it make get you angry, you know, just about what has happened and what is happening out there. Um, and some of it may make you cry. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I don't want to put I don't want to put it on anybody how they might react emotionally. But I will say that we do fulfill the one basic responsibility of any artist, which is to make people feel something when mm -hmm. they experience their art. So whatever you're going to feel, I guarantee you you're going to feel something. Amen. I love feeling things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> be refreshing, therefore, to read. Your book, Africanthology, is released February 1, which is a start of uh, Black History Month. I take it that you planned it to hit at the start of Black History Month. And here is my question for you. Um, the past two years has seen a Canada with a prime minister that appears to be pro-Black. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has done a lot for Black people, Black businesses through the um, the loan thing, you know, SBCCI and all the different fragmented loans, the Tropicana Community Africa Center here, Bades in Ottawa, you know, all the different programs for, for Black people that we have access to. My question, Greg, is given this background, what sort of Canada do we want then? Well, I think it's wonderful uh, that, you know, in the last few years that there's been real movement in terms of not just honoring the experiences and and the and the living concerns of, of Black folks in this country, but actually some folks starting to put money behind that and actual energy and support. So yes, we've seen some funding opportunities that have been created both in the provinces across Canada as well as at the federal level and in some of the municipalities too. Uh, you know, we've seen the creation of the Black Opportunity Fund which uh, is looking to, to do some of that work. We've, we've seen you know, the Black North Pledge take hold within the business and not-for-profit community to, to increase participation 
of, uh, of black folks at the highest levels of, uh, of organizations, uh, both public and private. Uh, so we've seen a lot that has happened, but ultimately the only thing that matters is can we change the culture? I was having this conversation with uh, with another with another leader in the community, Ross Kadast. He's the um, he's the uh, the president of the Black Business and Professionals Association. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, Ross yeah. is a really he's we a know really good Ross. Guy. Yeah. All right. He's been out here. Oh, we've perfect. Met him. Yeah, that's BBPA. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's a good brother. Yeah. Yeah, man. I respect. And, and so when I was talking to Ross, I was, I was explaining to him, I'm like, if, for example, an organization really wants to focus on being better at attracting talent to come and join their organization, you're not going to actually create a better situation for those people until you change the operations and culture of the group. So if you just focus on hiring and you don't address how you do what you do and the experience that people have within your organization, then all you'll get good at is attracting people into a bad situation. And I think that that's the same for Canadian society. Until we actually change the way we operate and we have a, a, a real impact on the culture in which people exist in and experience on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, even if we get good at, at sending money into the black community and, and you know, and putting a highlight uh, article of a black person on CBC or on the National Post or, or you know, or the Globe and Mail or, or CTV or whatever, and, you know, that's all nice and good. And it's, and, you know, and it's important, it's, it's, but it's not, but it's not the real key. The real key is we have to change the culture and changing the culture Possible. means having They've got to understand where the culture awesome. comes from. But that's what this is about. Right. That's what that's what what you're doing is about. Yeah. It's about shifting the culture through engagement, through through illuminating truth, through that's putting right. stories right. forward, right? And changing hearts and minds. That's yeah. what it's about. How do how do we inform the next generation to to embrace their blackness? Because out here in Edmonton, our kids go to schools where they're still the minority. And you hear sometimes, uh, I was called a baboon. Well, you can't take it anymore. You call the principal, <laughs> you know. And so you start to threaten um, legal suits, things don't change. How do we ask kids not to shy away from their melanin and to embrace who they are as Black people? We need, to teach, we need to teach them where their strengths come from. We need to show them where their strengths come from. And we need to connect them to those strengths that exist within the community. If we don't have the community resource that, that demonstrates that strength, then it's on us to create it. If it's been created somewhere else, it's on us to connect our kids to those resources wherever they might be. But it's also uh, important for us to teach our young people about the power that they have inside of them. You know, the motto of the work that I do in equity, diversity, and inclusion, and in effective communication is that in order to share the voice you own, you must first own the voice you share. And so we've got to teach our kids how to own their own voices and in all of the dimensions that are, that are a part of that. 
that's cultural, that's racial, that's economic, that's, you know, civic, that's in terms of what you're learning directly from your parents and your family, and that's in terms of your own interests and passions. But we got to wrap that all up and be able to show our kids that it's important that you share it because your voice is important and you have an important message to share no matter what it is. And without your voice, the world is impoverished. And so we've got to teach kids to take responsibility and ownership of that for themselves and then to learn how to express that in the best possible way that'll get them the best possible results. Greg, Greg, um, <clears throat> I'm not being silly here, but if you have an audio version of the book, I'll play it every night. I guess I'm actually enjoying listening to you. You're uh, a gifted orator. orator. We didn't talk about my next question. And if you want to say no, I perfectly understand. I'm putting you on the spot. Are you able to read anything to us from your book? Sure. Would you like poetry or prose? I love poetry. All right. Poetry it is then. Make I will feel read something, Greg. Ring out my feeling juices. I want to connect feet. with myself today want to feel the energy all right all right the energy all right so i will share with you the poem called one which is written by Dwayne morgan uh, go for it all right so Dwayne's poem and i'll try to read it in Dwayne's manner but hopefully he won't you'll <laughs> try. try all right so one by Dwayne morgan I've been told that my shoulders are broad for my stature, must be from the weight that they carry, the weight of a community often pushed to the margins, too dark for pretty pictures, often placed in boxes that we didn't produce, expected to represent the multitude of identities packaged within this dark hue. Even when doing my best, I can never manifest or represent all that we are. Far from just rainbows, we are every shade, every gender, every orientation, every checked box that's been made. And I, I am just one, one of the multitude, one voice, one idea, one man, tasked with representing all that I can, understanding that some will fall through the cracks because we are too vast, too diverse, too unique, too much us to be fit into a cup, half full or half empty, but always fully whole. Even when others deny the beauty and diversity of our souls, we are candles, wick lit at both ends, burning out until we are done, trying to be many when we are really just one. You got me there, Greg. <laughs> Greg Frankston, AKA Ritalin, your passport laureate for the International Initiative for Mental Health Leadership and a former poetic commentator on CBC Radio once here and now in Toronto. You've joined us from Scarborough in Toronto. Thank you so very much for taking us to new dimensions in, in blackness and in poetry. I wish you all the best with your book. I'm gonna end the broadcast. We could ask you just to just hang, hang on and not go. Okay, for sure. And thank you so much for the opportunity to share with you. Thank you. Hey, did you enjoy listening to that? Well, next episode, we have Kirsten from Protect Our Province, and it promises to be a very juicy conversation. 
um we appreciate if you send us some love or if you show us some love by following us on twitter facebook and instagram at a ladies corner.ca hope you enjoy the rest of your afternoon goodbye